So how many things do you hold in your hands in one day? So I was thinking about it on the way in this morning, and in just like the first hour or two that I was awake, I could think about I held the alarm clock when I turned it off, shampoo bottle, toothbrush, because I did brush my teeth today, coffee after I brushed my teeth, I guess I needed to brush again, then I held my Bible, coffee again, uh, the steering wheel. I held the steering wheel to get here. And that's just all within, you know, a 45-minute to an hour because I get ready fast kind of thing. Don't believe me. That's not true. I take forever. We use our hands to hold. We use our hands to hug. We use our hands to help people. Sometimes we use our hands to clench our fists when we're feeling anxiety or stress. kind of helps us relieve it. Hopefully, you don't use your hands to hit, but sometimes it's a necessity, not your brothers or sisters, please. I've asked somebody to come up front and help me. Come on up. You'll see why in a second. (laughs) So Casey has been so generous to come up front. There are a couple of obvious differences between Casey and I. Would you mind standing over here? I mean, he's a guy and I'm not. He's young and I'm not. He's tall and I'm not. He has dark hair and I'm not. And if we hold up our hands, I, oh my word. Can you see that? All right, he has big hands. I do not. This morning, in keeping with the whole Christmas theme and decorations, I have a bunch of different pine cones. I have small pine cones, medium sized pine cones, and large pine cones. Now you guys are all going to get to participate with us a little bit here. We're going to count out the pine cones. He's going to put the pine cones in my hand and we're going to see how many we can count. Now let's do yours first. I'm going to put them in his and we'll see how many he can fit in his hands. Now because he has large hands, I think we'll go with the medium sized pine cones. So here we go. Let's just do one hand. There you go. <laughs> He's like, one pine cone, I got that. One, two, three, four, five, six. We might as well just dump the whole bowl. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, okay, so we're at ten. He could hold ten in his hand. I'm going to get this too. All right, you Ready? What's your guess? Three, five. All right, let's see what we got. One, two, three, four. Oh, he's good. It's like Jenga. Five, six, seven, eight, ten. Oh, good. (laughs) It's like Jenga. He was like strategically putting them. Thank you so much, Casey. Give him a round of applause. (laughs) So I guess it depends on the size of your hands or how good the person is layering them on top of your hands. But it depends on the size of your hands. It depends on the size of whatever it is that you're putting in your hands, of how much you can hold. But there is a limit. There's a limit to how much we can hold in each of our hands. 
And as we read in today's scripture reading, we can tell that Mary knew what it felt like to have her hands full. She was in the middle of everyday life, caring for her house, maybe even baking some bread, taking care of any children or animals that were around. And in the middle of that mundane, she had a visit from the angel Gabriel. In that one moment, she experienced what it felt like to drop everything that she was holding and hold joy in one hand and pain in the other. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. There are more than 20 interactions between angels and humans in the gospel and in the New Testament. The one visit to Mary was the second one recorded in the chronology of the New Testament. So it was new for them, new for her. God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary. Not only did God send the angel to Mary, but the angel spoke to her. An angel not just visiting with Mary, but speaking. I can imagine that that would bring a great deal of joy. If an angel of God appeared in front of me, joy. If that angel started talking to me, I'd be ecstatic. But when we keep reading, we find that in the other hand, Mary was also holding some pain. Verse 29 says, Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Mary was holding joy, but she was confused and disturbed at his words. The message says that she was thoroughly shaken. And I love the way that Christian author and comedian Liz Curtis Higgs puts it. She said that in today's language, we could kind of assume that Mary was totally freaking out. And I could get that, totally get that. Who could blame her? A heavenly being just showed up and told her that God was with her. How like God, though, to just call out our fears when in verse 30, Gabriel called her by name and said, you have nothing to fear. God knew her name just as he knows ours. And there again, we have joy. That is a joy that we can call on while we're in the middle of being confused when we're in the middle of experiencing pain. It's easy when we're feeling pain to also feel as though we're alone. Can have this kind of internal dialogue. The community's against me. My spouse is totally checked out. My friends, they don't understand. They're kind of feeling distant right now. But we read in these verses, God knows your name. Just as he knows Mary's, he knows yours. He knows your pain, and he says, don't fear. I don't bake a lot, much to my children's chagrin, but at Christmas time, I will at least attempt to bake. So I do the obligatory cookies and candies, and that means that I have to stock up on all of the supplies. And if you bake at all, you know that one of the main supplies you need is butter. Now, I can't get mad at this because I love butter, not just any butter, it has to be salted butter. I'm totally into the salt, not the sweet. So salted butter, besides coffee, 
Butter is probably my next favorite food group. And that's right, I said food group. Now somebody afterwards was like, come on, Pastor Melanie, we know that you like pizza too. Yes, I love all food, but coffee, number one, and butter have to be present at almost every meal. Butter on popcorn, right? And not just butter on popcorn. Melt the butter, make the popcorn, pour the butter over the popcorn, sit there with the bowl, and pick out the kernels that have the most butter. Am I right? Yes, there are others of you that do that. Butter on bread, butter on cinnamon rolls, butter on waffles, butter on potatoes. I heard some people like to put butter on crackers. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Cannot do that. That is where I draw the line with butter. I even think that butter can make vegetables a little more palatable. I saw a couple of weeks ago this statement, and so because I love butter and I knew I was going to be talking about joy, I was like, I can get behind this. It said, joy is like butter. Huh? I can put it on anything and it'll make it way better. Isn't that true in life? Unless it's crackers. (laughs) These next verses in Luke are butter statements for sure. After acknowledging Mary's confusion and pain, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Joy. What joy for Mary to hold. I mean, we all like to know that people like us, even Grinches, need to have words of affirmation and encouragement once in a while. It's important. But could you imagine hearing directly from an angel that you have found favor with God? And what parent doesn't want to hear that their children are going to be great? Gabriel was spreading all of this joy because there was an obvious question and pain to follow in the next verse. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Now we can't talk about these verses without discussing the virgin birth. Luke, the author here, is a physician. And so he, of all people, would be a little skeptical about such a birth. He was a doctor, so I assume he knew a little bit about the birds and the bees. And yet God chose him to write in detail that Mary was going to be overcome by the Holy Spirit. I think it's equally important to note here that Mary asked a question. In the middle of holding both joy and pain, she had a question and she wasn't afraid to ask God. Clearly, it's okay. It's more than okay when you are going through a difficult time, you're experiencing pain and it's overtaking to ask God a question. Even if his answer is a trust me. So, What do we know about Mary, this brave woman, teenage girl who was holding both joy and pain? We know that she was a poor Jew of the tribe of Judah, born and living in Nazareth. The people in Judah hated the Jews in Galilee. You're from Nazareth? 
Nothing good ever comes from Nazareth. A virgin. Being unmarried and pregnant would pose a very disgraceful and critical problem. If an unmarried woman became pregnant, the only conclusion would be that she was immoral and should be stoned to death as prescribed by Jewish law. If she were to claim her innocence by saying that she was a virgin whose pregnancy was caused by the Holy Spirit, she would be charged with lying, maybe insanity, heresy, and she may be stoned to death. She was engaged to a carpenter named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And in that culture, pledging or engagement lasted for a year, and it was as binding as marriage. It could only be dissolved by divorce, which is why it's said of Joseph that because he was a righteous man and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had plans on quietly divorcing her. She was poor and culturally on the outside, at the very least facing divorce, possibly even facing being stoned to death. Mary shows us that even those who are called highly favored by God do not live a life of unbroken happiness. How many of you have watched Home Alone? Okay, good. Great, I don't have to explain too much of the story. I watch Home Alone with my kids. It happens to be Jonah's favorite, one of his favorite movies to watch. And he's slinking out the back now that I said his name. Sorry, I called you out and everybody's turning around. That was really good, Mom. So we watched Home Alone. And if you've watched Home Alone, you know that it's a very believable movie. There's this eight-year-old boy who gets left home alone at Christmas when his family goes over to Paris. Totally not believable. Who leaves their eight-year-old alone on Christmas? Nobody. But he's home alone, and he sees these robbers kind of casing the house, casing the neighborhood, wanting to sneak in. So he decides he's going to set up all of these traps, and he's going to keep the robbers from getting into his house. He has elaborate plans on how to do this. Gallons of paint swinging from the rafters, knocking them in the head. He has the doorknob all heated up so that one of the robbers gets his hand burned with the monogram on it. He puts tar all over the steps so that when they're trying to get in by walking on the steps, they have to step out of their boots. And then, of course, what kid wouldn't leave a window open when there are robbers trying to get in? He leaves the window open. And what happens? A robber tries to sneak in. Now, of course, Kevin, being the smart eight-year-old boy that he is, decided he was going to put ornaments all over the floor. I was going to take off my shoes, step on the ornaments, and then I thought, no, I love my, the maintenance staff here, so I won't do that to them. But you get the picture. He steps in with one foot, and he's, ow, it breaks Glass goes into the bottom, he's screaming, and so he does the obvious thing and pulls his foot back out. No! He's going, ow! And he takes his other foot and he goes, ow, ow! And here he is, standing there, not moving, screaming, and all he can do is focus on the pain in his feet. Sometimes, all we can do is focus on the pain that we're holding. Maybe it comes from the fact that a lot of us grew up with some either-or statements. If you know how these go, feel free to join in with me. 
Either you clean your room or you don't get to go outside and play. Either you finish your dinner or you don't get dessert. Either you get good grades or you get grounded, you fail. Either you show up to work on time or you are fired. Mary shows us that there doesn't necessarily have to be an either or. She has joy and pain. Joy, an angel visits. Pain, she's confused and scared. Joy, you are favored by God. Pain, you're an unmarried, pregnant woman in a small town. Joy, God knows my name. Pain, will Joseph stay? Joy, your son is going to sit on the throne and his kingdom will never end. Mary, highly chosen by God, had joy and pain. The either-or statements were erased with the birth of Jesus. How can you hold both joy and pain? What can you do when the pain seems like it's the only thing that you can focus on? You are sure you are going to be overrun by it, and there's no way you can experience or feel this joy that everybody keeps talking about around Christmas time. Well, let's see what Mary did. Verse 35, the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 37, for the word of God will never fail. And my NIV Bible says, for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary's response to the pain was to remember that God knew her name and called her highly favored. She was given the power of the Holy Spirit, and then she surrendered herself as his willing servant. Mary trusted God. She belonged totally to the Lord. God, take all of me, body, soul, spirit, mind, I am yours. This little teenaged girl from the town of Nazareth, too poor to give anything tangible, chose to serve God. Mary suffered the ridicule and contempt of being pregnant and unmarried in a small town full of gossips. Knowing all of this, she said, let it be. So what pain are you holding? What shadow is currently trying to take all of your focus off of any joy and concentrated on the pain? Maybe it's a pile of debt that you can't see your way out of right now. The death of a loved one. Broken relationships, physical pain, illness, children who've walked away from God, maybe even from you, a spouse who chose to walk away, fear for your future or the future of our next generation. Maybe you're in an abusive relationship or you struggle with an addiction. Did I name yours? If not, you have it in the front of your mind now. And those pains are huge. 
If you're holding one in your hand, it can be overwhelming and all-consuming. It may be like the broken glass ornament and the pain is the only thing that you can seem to focus on right now. It's hard to hold just one of those pains in your hand. But if you have multiple pains or crises that you're facing, it may feel like the only option you have is to dump the joy so that you have more room for the pain. Anne Graham Lotz offers this reassurance. When you're experiencing pain and difficulty, maybe the loss of a loved one or a divorce, it's a wonderful thing to know that God truly feels your pain. You may think that God doesn't care, and maybe the pain has caused you to be hardened toward God, but God understands physical suffering firsthand. Jesus knows how you feel. The baby that we're celebrating now, he changed everything. He too experienced joy and pain. Remember, he came not just to be a good teacher, but he came to live a perfect, sinless life, to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. And that separation that he experienced from God and the physical suffering that was brought to him on that cross was a tremendous amount of pain. But ultimately, it brings him great joy because he knows that any time someone believes in him, they will be saved. Although this might be a little difficult for you to get your head wrapped around this idea of Jesus experiencing pain and joy, I can experience pain and joy. Isaiah tells us in all their suffering, he, Jesus, suffered also. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. God's not limited to working within the same system that we're used to. He doesn't work in either or here. Jesus came so that you can have abundant joy even when there is pain. How can you hold both joy and pain? Well, the Holy Spirit promises to be our helper to any of us who believe. And we too, like Mary, can choose to surrender to God and trust him, being his willing servant. When you and I place our faith in Christ and invite him to come live within us, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The power of God overshadows us and the life of Jesus is born within us. Not a physical life, but the spiritual life of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask anyone who's experienced pain and you see them also living in joy that it is all about the power of the Holy Spirit living through them. There's a missionary by the name of Ryan Koher. He's 31 years old and he's experiencing both pain and joy right now. You see, he and his wife and two young boys have been living in Mozambique, serving as missionaries with the Mission Aviation Fellowship. This is a Christian-based aviation organization that does humanitarian efforts. He was getting ready to su deliver supplies to an orphanage out in Mozambique, and he was just waiting while there were supplies on a table. 
The supplies weren't his. They weren't loaded on his plane yet. They were things like vitamins and over-the-counter prescriptions, preservatives for foods that he was going to go deliver to the orphanage and to the adult staff members that were living there. Police came by and they decided that they were going to charge him as being somebody who was supporting the insurgents, and they took him. And he is now being held in a prison in Mozambique. The missions organization, as per their protocols, decided that it was time to take his wife and two children and send them back to the United States so that they could get the care that they needed while he was over there. His wife was sent a note that Ryan had written Sunday, November 27th, and she shared a portion of it, and I'd like to share it with you this morning. Last week, I found encouragement in Psalm 31. The Lord has seen our affliction, our anguish, and our tears. He has heard the prayers of his people. Because he knows, I will commit my spirit to him. I trust him, and he will be strong and take hope as he commands. My times are in his hands. The reality of being so far away from their husband and father, along with the fact of knowing that he's in prison, has been really hard on his wife and young boys. And the kids are missing the only home that they knew and their friends. One night they were talking about it with their mom. And their son became quiet and reflective. And he said, Mom, this is hard. But I know that God is still with me. This little boy understands. He knows how to hold both pain and joy and how to trust the simple truth that God knows his name. I know that there are many of us in this room and watching online who have a lot of pain that we're carrying right now. Sometimes it feels like our pain is too great or our situation is too difficult to overcome. It tends to get amped up at Christmas for many of us. But we can choose, like Mary did, to not focus on the pain, but to overflow with the joy in knowing that God knows our name. He has called us highly favored, and he has given all of us who trust in him through the life death and resurrection of his son Jesus, the same power that rested on Mary. My prayer is that each of us will remember Philippians 4 as we leave today, that we do have the ability to always be full of joy in the Lord. Nothing's impossible for God. He can do anything, and we can trust that his word never fails. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that right there is what true joy is. That you know each of us by name. You have told us we have nothing to fear, Lord. And that all of us who trust in you can have true joy. The power of the Holy Spirit resting on us and working through us. God, we ask that you be with this mission's family that you would restore them back to each other and that you would keep them safe in the waiting. And Lord, for those of us who are experiencing pain in this Christmas season, along with the joy of knowing who Jesus is, God, may we leave here today not focused on the pain, but Lord, refocused on the joy that you have made available abundantly 
so that we may overflow with the joy and the hope as we go out into our community and with our family. Lord, may your joy shine this season. It's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen.